0: howdy everybody and welcome to another bp movie journal the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these i'm david i'm tyler he's back ladies and gentlemen he's back uh hasn't been on a movie journal since june But I I think if, unless things come up and change, you will be doing two in August, right? I believe Uh, so, We're doing, again, the last week in August will, again, be the both of us, I think is the plan. So, um, but it is, because it's been so long since you've done one, you know, I don't know. I know you didn't. I was going to say, I don't know if you listened last week, but I just, in in an attempt to, like, fresh start for this week, I did a very long solo movie journal um, took a lot out of me. Also, I need to apologize to the listeners because less than 24 hours after uh, uh, recording that BP movie journal, I was reminded that my boss listens to the show because he started off a meeting by saying, by the way, David is pronounced Charles Boyer, not Charles Boyer. <laughs> I said Charles Boyer <laughs> more than once. And uh, and and, and uh, my boss corrected me uh, with a quickness. The, the well, next maybe
1: <laughs> you're maybe you're going with the british pronunciation like I you know think it's all boy like sports shallot or something uh-huh. like that or uh <laughs> that kind of thing maybe maybe he should think about that he wait he's probably listening
0: to this yeah right he is listening now. to this now um wait okay. sports um is sports chalet and national chain i In don't, fact, does it even exist anymore uh i don't know the answer to any of those questions okay um it's worth um, looking up um, speaking of speaking of sporting goods store stores, uh, do you follow John Worster on Instagram? I know you're a bit much more of an Instagram guy than a Twitter guy. I'm tr- I'm trying
1: to be more of a, like I- I'm in charge of our Instagram and I never yeah updated obviously except when I I'm just like you know what you know it'd be fun yeah let's do a random Instagram post three months after the last one, um, but I do I do I am trying to follow more people on Instagram because I do find it to be a more positive place than twitter yeah sure so so i'm okay with it
0: Um, no i don't follow him john morster his main thing is that he posts like uh accidentally like uh filthy or or whatever funny like signs or whatever and there was you know there's a chain called dick's sporting goods oh yes yes and he he just today or yesterday showed an instagram of a sign for a gun store that said We beat dicks all day long, or we beat (laughs) dicks every day. (laughs) Oh, boy. Anyway. um, Yeah, but uh, I I thought of that because you're you're me you said Sports Chalet, which is another uh, chain. Mm. They used to have, if they still exist, I don't know if they still do, but it used to be when you, at Sports Chalet, they sold license plate frames. And it was like for any sport you could think of, like I'd rather be playing basketball. I'd rather be golfing. sure. And the one that always been being... Natalie left was I I'd rather be running because on the bottom it says Sport Shelly. so it sounds like the person saying I'd rather be running Sport Shelly. I think I could do a better job running Sport <laughs> It's true we don't know if they're still open or not. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know. Maybe if Natalie had been running Sport <laughs> yes, Shelly this entire time like she wanted. All right. It seems like she'd have like a good a good head for uh for a corporate business. Um, this is uh, what well, and- I I I started this by saying we need to get I was trying to get to the fact we need to get going because we have so many movies to talk about. What is wrong with us? That's not. It's been fifteen years plus at this point. Yeah,
1: we don't get everything. Here's (laughs) here's something I've come to realize as a podcaster is that, and something that you often have to remind me of, um, like when we do our, uh, like our our mailbag episodes uh, of the of the Patreon uh patreon.com slash battleship pretension everybody um new episodes every week uh and so we'll only get a few questions like oh gosh we only have a few questions and you're like we're gonna be fine (laughs) we're a couple of weeks almost everything (laughs) that someone says could spark a story or a thought the thought might not be very well uh you know uh thought out but it will be there so like the idea of of a sporting goods store I'll just say this. Uh when I was younger, uh at, you know when I was a kid, um nothing bored me more than if my family specifically because of my brother cuz he was a more sporting type. Uh Big 5 uh sporting goods was the one that we went to. And so sometimes we would go to the go to a, a mall in Ventura that had a Big 5 sporting goods and We would sometimes duck in there, and more so than quite possibly any other store in existence, Big Five bored me uh, to absolute tears. Like I was such a non-sporting kid. I'm like, this has nothing for me. There's nothing I can even fake interest in can't i just go down to the now non-existent kb toys and just do something like i would stop uh, off i thought the, you were gonna the, go with
0: suncoast motion motion picture company that was always my favorite suncoast. they didn't they didn't uh, i don't think they had it at that one but now uh, you now you're talking about probably when you were a younger kid yeah. you spent the latter part of your childhood um near what used to be pretty much i think the only um bass pro shop now uh, yes, Bass yes. pro shop is like nationwide it's huge but but um that was a big deal in the springfield area or branson area because oh, best yeah. pro shop yeah it's technically a sporting goods store but it's also like a fucking aquarium and restaurant and they have animatronics and it was like oh i, I always loved going to best pro shop when i was a kid even though i also wasn't like into especially like not like wildlife sports i wasn't into hunting or fishing or kayaking right. or anything but like whenever we'd go to branson um which was when I was young, multiple summers, we would go to and go to some other city. I was always excited to go to Bass Pro Shop because it was a fun time. Uh, And it used to be, I see now, like, I see kids wearing or people wearing like Bass Pro Shop shirts and hats. And I remember like, as a kid coming back after the summer to the first day of school, the first week of school and having my Bass Pro Shop hat and my Bass Pro Shop shirt. Because this was before like the internet, you couldn't, now anyone can get a shirt anywhere. But that meant like me wearing that to school meant, Oh, you went to Bass pro shop this summer. And that was like a big deal.
1: (laughs) Well, and also, you know, I'm, there are things that I'm more tuned into and and things I'm not, it took me a while to realize that there are now more bass pro shops because for a while, like here in California, I would see somebody wearing a bass pro shop hat. And my first thought was, Oh, they, you know, they, I wonder if they're from Missouri or they went or they went to visit Missouri or something. Um, But uh, but then also, yeah, uh, the one in Springfield, it 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 in I think 1999 or 2000, maybe 2001, they built something called Wonders of Wildlife, which had like these various displays. There's an aquarium aspect of of it. Uh, And then also there was uh, this little area that was meant to you walk into it and it's like you've walked into an old timey bait and tackle shop. Yeah, it's Um, cool. That's and and there's a door and a window and in that door and window they have a projection of like uh like a lake like this cabin is looking out on the lake and the proprietor of of this bait and tackle shop is just sitting there on the you know uh, porch as people like walk up and they have conversations with him about fishing uh, and then they move on and then somebody comes back in so you go in and you're looking around this this old timey bait and tackle shop, but you're also looking out at the lake uh, and hearing these conversations. And one of the people that walked up to con- to talk with the uh, the proprietor uh, was me, um, because uh, the people who cast this thing uh, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, came from um, uh, went to the stained glass theater, uh, which was a, a theater in Springfield, still is, um, and they were casting from uh, from that. And so we all did auditions. So I played a character i want to say his name was harlan and so he comes in and he's boy and we shot it down oh. at like a table rock lake uh and you know okay. we shot it on location it had to be um and there was like a little fake port you know a little fake porch area um and so i i come on and i'm just talking about man and they they asked me to do like a very specific kind of accent and man i just uh, look my brother swears by these artificial lures but i don't like them I, you know, live bait for me. That's what I like. So, do you know if this is still,
0: can you still view this? I don't this? know. I don't oh, actually man. know. I mean, it's been at this so. point over
1: 20 years, but yeah. I do love the idea that that's my legacy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't believe, I, I can't believe I never told you that. That, uh, no, I maybe,
0: was, I mean, you know, maybe you did. We've known each other, uh, yeah. since then. you might have told me when it happened. But it probably,
1: <laughs> I think it was my, like, my first, uh, paid acting gig and quite possibly my last.
0: Uh, we really should get going, but the, the other thing I was going to say about us being windbags, I was looking at this uh, this other podcast. I'll shout them out um, if I get the name right. I think it's called Homies and Horror, or maybe it's okay. Horror and Homies. It's like black folks talking horror movies. Oh, cool. Anyway, I was looking up their discussion of Jaws, and I mm. saw in the description, it was like Jaws, and then in the description of the episode, it said, movie discussion starts at 11 minutes and 16 seconds. And I was <laughs> like, how do they get to it so quick? How do <laughs> yeah anybody else would be like A well-oiled oh, machine over yeah, at yeah. <laughs> they must be new they you yeah. know um
1: yeah uh but uh <laughs> that's uh that's hilarious okay yes but let's get to it uh i'm not here to brag about that acting job i got uh and i got <laughs> handsomely paid i want to say it was like 150 bucks um but anyway what if so- they paid
0: you in in tackle they paid you in lures
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like just just worms, just Nightcrawlers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so, uh, okay. I'll be honest, I'm actually quite proud of myself that I am aware that Nightcrawlers is well, yeah. not merely a superhero and not merely a movie I really like. It is, in fact, uh, this well, other seen, thing that has nothing to do with it. You've seen, Fargo. You've I seen ha- Fargo. Yes, I have. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I've got a number of movies to get to. We'll, we will kick things off with a film that i probably shouldn't have watched um but i had heard so many people ranting and raving about it that i thought i'd uh it'd be a good a good movie to just throw on and that is the new uh chippendales uh chippendale rescue rangers i had heard people compare it to who framed roger rabbit uh which is a film you and i both really like Mm, yeah uh and as i watched it um I can see the comparison. I definitely, and I believe Roger Rabbit might even show up in the background of one of the one of the scenes. So they are definitely trying to uh, create this world where, like, tunes exist alongside, you mm-hmm. know, live action. Uh, you know, like uh, flesh and blood. Do they call uh, them people. tunes?
0: I or don't. Is it, I that, I that don't a think Roger so. Rabbit thing? Yeah. I think
1: that's a Roger Rabbit thing in particular. Um, and so there's there's a little bit of of cleverness here and there. One is that, like, if you've seen the trailer or even the poster you'll see that chip is you know 2d hand drawn and dale is like 3d animated and essentially 3d animation is like the uh the botox or the um the the plastic surgery of the animated world like if you okay. want to kind of be seen at, get get give yourself a facelift and that's what happens so it's like all right that's neat that's a neat idea um and there and the the villain uh is uh Peter Pan like a grown up peter Pan specifically from like disney um mm-hmm. and he now uh essentially makes like bootleg disney movies uh but he he kidnaps like former stars, alters them uh and puts them in these bootlegs and makes and makes money um it, it it has an occasional chuckle. What there's, you know, there's a very specific joke that I will always laugh at for even even if it's done poorly. I will always laugh at it. There's a scene where Chip uh, voiced by uh, John Mullaney, is, you know, he's kind of living this sort of nerdy existence. I think he's just uh, working at an office somewhere. Uh, and so you see him like walk into his house and he's got his little earbuds on and he takes them off. You hear that he's been listening to death metal. And then mm-hmm. he just put and it's like that will always make me laugh always the idea there was a great version of that actually listening to death metal
0: in um monsters university mm-hmm. um do you remember the uh, the monster mom drops off all the kids when they're gonna go on to do a little <laughs> yes. caper, and they're like and she's like i'll wait here i've got my tunes and as she rolls out the window it's 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 uh, it's actually a mastodon song that she's <laughs> uh, uh listening to it's yeah that's always that's it's, a good joke it's,
1: it's always a funny joke to me um but by and large i would say it It doesn't need to be feature length uh it feels the concept itself feels like thirty to forty five minutes and it was made for streaming. It didn't get a theatrical release. maybe just let it be what it's meant to be, which is mm-hmm. a non feature film just like a little a little special um and also it's just so as one might expect, it is just you know packed uh with nostalgia and references and that kind of thing there are a couple of moments that are clever like like there's a there are like this uh a comic-con type thing of of like uh has-beens and one of them is um, voiced by uh tim robinson i want to say uh it's a ugly sonic yeah
0: uh
1: and everything they do with him Including, of course, his voice is like, this is great. This is uh, this is such a spot on idea. Uh, So there there are moments of cleverness, but by and large, I think the movie is is just incredibly disposable. I don't understand why people were ranting and raving about it, I guess, just, you know, because it's like, hey, I recognize that and I recognize that. And, hey, it's fun. I'm able to remember these things. And, And there's nothing I don't have any problem with engaging with nostalgia. But when you try to build an entire hypothetically artistic piece around that (laughs) uh it gets old quickly uh okay so next up for me is thor love and thunder uh i reviewed this for the website so people can read my review on there uh i liked it uh occasionally loved it there's there's some really nice moments in there um it is often very funny i was worried that for the first like for the first 30 minutes, like it was just so absurd and so ridiculous and leaning so into the comedy that I was just like, boy, is this just going to be like as light as a feather and and really have no purpose at all? Uh, well, I, you know? I
0: learned from the uh, Leonard Melton panel at Comic-Con this year that that is how he felt about it, because he was a fan of Ragnarok, did yeah. not did not like Love and Thunder because he thought the like the balance was off. It was too. Yeah, too light. It's- I would say, I mean, it, it's interesting
1: because it, it really, I would say the balance is off. Um, it did, that's not enough to have ruined the film for me, but I do know that people really wanted more, a more consistent tone, but this goes, you know, Christian Bale's character, like, and it, and his it's a, it's got a really great villain played with really angry charisma by Christian Bale. Hard to believe that he could pull that off. (laughs) Um, but uh but his story is very dark and very sad and and it wouldn't seem to fit in with the tone of the film but i think somehow it it does and thankfully a lot of the a lot of the absurdity does eventually it's not that it wears off but it kind of balances out um and you come to realize that the character of thor and and the character of uh jane the natalie portman a uh, love interest character who hasn't been part of the, uh, hasn't been part of the um, franchise for a while. She comes back and other than appearing in end game, right? Y- yeah. Like just, a, a but even that was three years ago, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, she hasn't been like a full fledged part of the story uh, since I think 2013, whenever Thor, the dark world was and she, they do some good stuff with her character and with Thor, You know, the thing that really comes through when they start to deal with this with the Thor character in uh, Infinity War is like over the course of this franchise, he has lost his mother, his father, his brother, his best friend, and other friends as well. And his eye, his eye. Yes, he lost that as well. And also it sounds like his hammer, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these things that help him define. Oh, and his kingdom. You know, Asgard is also gone at this point, as at least as far as how he thinks of it. And so, you know, what toll does that take on somebody? And you start to see it here. Like, he he's this guy who just is trying to just shut off emotionally. And the film is all about him sort of turning back on and and letting people back in. And I feel like that works really well. I think Chris Hemsworth, yes, there's a lot of comedy in it, but there is a lot of melancholy that I think people don't talk enough about. Uh, A lot of people say like, oh, this ruined the Thor franchise. Like, no, it just expands it. And I think it just it can totally it continues what what Ragnarok was doing. But I think it's I think it's a very worthy entry. And I and I I I like where they're taking this character and i like that they're exploring this idea it's like you can only do what these characters do long enough before it starts to take some kind of toll and then once it does what do you do then and i feel like that's when you have a franchise like the marvel franchise that's been going as long as it has with as many movies as it, as are in it uh you need to start exploring this stuff otherwise it gets really boring And I think that Thor love and thunder really does. That's not to suggest it's a perfect movie, but it is very good. Um, And I liked it a lot. So the next film for me is uh, Scott Derrickson's the black phone. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not. No, I didn't. I want to, it is very good and strange in, in ways that are sometimes off putting and other ways invigorating Uh, it it's this We in many ways, it's just a very straightforward uh, story of like uh, this, this uh, very uh, strange man who abducts, I would say children, but it's, it's essentially teenage boys and holds them in like his basement. Doesn't the film does not suggest that he does anything sexual with them? Otherwise I think the film would have been just too dark to be what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but he does kill them, you know, and and after sort of playing mind games with them and all that. Um, and the car- killers played with Gusto by Ethan Hawke in a series of really creepy looking masks, all of which are designed by Tom Savini, by the way, which is kind of awesome. Oh. Um, and so, you know, that's very straightforward. But so our main character, and this takes place like in the 1970s, I think that's an interesting detail as well. Um, in in uh, like... I think it's like Grand Junction in Colorado or, or maybe Fort Collins. One of those places that I'm vaguely familiar with because it's outside of Denver. Um, and so this kid gets kidnapped by this guy. And so he's in the basement trying to figure out what to do. And there is a, a black phone that is not hooked up to anything in the basement. Uh, he tries to use it. It's, the line is dead. Then he starts getting phone calls. The phone will ring. He answers it. And on the other end is one of the other kids that has been killed. And the kids like give him advice on like how to survive this ordeal. And each one like tells him a different thing. Uh, And it's the supernatural element. Like you wouldn't think that it would fit. And yet somehow it does. And I think that's, that speaks to Scott Derrickson's just his experience in different types of, of horror. And I think he finds a really good balance. And I think it's just, it's not necessarily a. It's a stressful and intense movie, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily a scary movie, except just the the concept of it. Mm. Uh, and it wound up being surprisingly fun, uh, and I think that's. You know, I th- there is this tendency to think of horror, especially these days, like a it needs to be really serious. Uh, there needs to be like some deeper stuff going on. And I think there is some deeper stuff going on, especially spiritually. The fact that I, the fact that I just like, that I know that Scott Derrickson is a professing Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do have characters that are actively praying um, specifically to Jesus. And I don't know, there's, there's some interesting stuff going on. Uh, and yet, you know, the, the theater where I, that I saw it, like, when our main character has moments of triumph, like people in my theater cheered, like it is a film that is dealing with some, some, some darker stuff and yet never so dark that people forgot it was a movie. Like they still Mm -hmm. like were engaging with it as though it were just pure, like escapist entertainment. So I were cheering for Ethan Hawke's character, right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, our main character is not very likable, I should say. Uh, we kind of want him uh, to yeah. to die. Um get him. So <laughs> that's what they were saying. Get him. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I appreciate that you did a sort of um, uh, sort of a uh, deliverance uh, kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of <laughs> accent there. Uh, okay. So the fourth film. So my my last film before we throw to you is uh, Marcel, the Shell with Shoes on. Oh, I've seen Uh, this one. A film that you've seen. And I think I liked it more than you did. Yeah, I didn't care for it. Uh, It definitely pulled me in. Um, I thought it was very charming. I thought um, Jenny Slate uh, really does some great uh, voice work. And Isabella Rossellini, I think, is is doing really great work as well. Um, This is another one where, you know, this is. Based on a series of of short like YouTube videos, so to stretch it to feature length, albeit like you know an hour, I think it's like an hour thirty. So it's as short as as a movie like this mm-hmm. can be. But it, there are moments where it's like okay, it kind of feels like they're spinning its wheels. But um, but I did actually, I really liked it. I thought, and and I wanted to ask you this: Would you consider this an animated movie? Oh, hmm. I don't think I would. It almost feel because so much of it is just Marcel, and it's stop motion. I feel like it almost qualifies.
0: Yeah, it's stop motion, but also a lot of it's Marcel. But also, I feel like the director or whatever the I, I can't remember if we learned his name. Right. they're almost like co-leads, even though we barely see yes. his face. Like yeah. his his arc is is very important to the. It is the movie as well so i, I think of it as a, a blend of live action and and stop motion
1: okay yeah and and i think that blend worked for me i think the stop motion was really effective and the idea of seeing this uh, this character you see i'm always a sucker for that kind of thing like when you have characters that live in a smaller they're smaller but they live in the world we that we live in and so like here's how they're making do uh and being yeah. finding creative solutions to things I enjoy that kind of thing, and I and I did. Uh, I get pu- I got pulled into the very simple, childlike emotionality of it, uh, and I and I enjoyed it quite a bit. But I would I would suggest that like it's it is probably just a little bit too long, um, and I could see somebody thinking that it's maybe a little bit cloying. But uh, in my view, it's it it's not exactly Babe, but it feels like Babe from nineteen ninety
0: five. Interestingly, my because pro- I don't think it's cloying in the like made for tv movie type sense i think part of what annoyed me is that it feels like it's very similar to how the your reservations about um where the wild things are that it feels like this is like a heartwarming almost like a kids movie but something about like the washed out color palette and like the droney like uh music it it feels like it's going for this like I mean, it's an A24 movie It's going for this A24 type of indie prestige, but it's essentially follow that bird or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's it's an A24 (laughs) kids movie, which is to say it's for people that are like 38. Yeah, Um, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, But I did. But I I didn't. But as it turns out, I'm admittedly older than 38. But uh, I'll say what you said about about where the wild things are, which is like, well, uh like my my problem was like oh it's it's taking something away it's ostensibly for kids but it's taking it away from them making it more for adults and I remember you said like well I'm an adult and it worked for me <laughs> that's
0: that's kind of how I feel about yeah. uh, Marcel
1: yeah. the Shell Shoes on I would recommend it.
0: Um all right so it's my turn? Yeah. So I'm going to kind of pull a Tyler this uh cool. this episode because two of my four movies are rewatches. Hmm. Um and, uh, I won't go into why it's for a project that, um, for somewhere else I might not see the light of day for a while, if ever, but I, uh, rewatched, um, Chad Hartigan's. This is Martin Bonner. Um, oh, okay. I never, is, I, never, uh, I never, saw it. I think you'd dig it a lot. Mm-hmm. Actually. Um, I have to look up, remember, remind myself of the year of that. Is it 2013, 2012, 2013? Um, and uh, yeah, I, n- to not give away too much of what my second film is and how I felt about it, I liked Martin. I liked this Martin Bonner the first time I saw it back in probably 2013 or maybe early 2014. Um, I liked it then, but but um, it's there are some movies that like that are diminishing returns, y- mm-hmm. you know, and then there are some movies that I think once you know what they are, you actually find them. M- you find more every time you you go to them. this is only my second time watching this is martin bonner but um now already knowing what the story is i just was able to live in the moment more moment to moment and i found the movie even even more uh emotional and more uh impactful um it's uh the the story of a man who um we end up getting his backstory that he sort of has to start over in a new city late in life. He has two like grown children. He's, uh, uh, divorcee, um, uh, himself, but he has recently moved to Reno to take a new job that he had to, to, to take. And this job involves working with, um, uh, recently released prisoner. So it's really kind of, it's called, this is Martin Bonner, but it's actually kind of a two-hander because it's also, um, the story of, uh, um, a guy. I'm trying to look up the 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 actor's name, and I'm having trouble right now. Um, Richmond Arquette. Oh, is he an Arquette? Now that I look hmm. at him, he looks like he is. He could be an Arquette. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he plays a guy just out of uh, out of out of prison, and um, it's uh, it, it's a look at like a decent man. I think we've had so much. You know, there's there, there's been like the I mean, Ted Lasso is the main example of like uh, media that that promotes niceness in an almost oppressive, like suffocating way, just like, hey, be be nice, be positive all of the time and everything will be right. solved. And that's what that's not what this is. Martin, this is Martin Bonner is about this guy is not happy all the time. Things aren't always great for them, but it's a portrait it's a quiet portrait of just a decent man and it is an argument that 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 decency in its own subtle way does spread does affect the people uh, around you but um uh it also has what i don't think i really like clocked as a running joke so the main character martin bonner played by uh, paul einhorn Um, the first time I watched this, I didn't really get this, but like, you know how in Best in Show, Christopher Guest's character keeps like having new interests. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's a, there's a similar thing, um, uh, with, with, with Martin Bonner. That's like very touching that you see, like, this is a guy who, yes, is late in life and, and like, you know, his marriage is behind him and his children are grown, but like, he's still finding ways to be interested but it also is kind of funny there's a part where he's like um about to take his the the Richard marquette character uh uh home um but he's like actually i've got a thing i've got to do do you want to come with me and it just cuts to him in like a bright green shirt and shorts refereeing a girl's soccer game (laughs) just like, (laughs) like out of nowhere and it's not like the movie isn't cut like a comedy but it is like it's a funny moment yeah um uh hmm. yeah so i I really liked it I also um speaking of revisiting uh the movie sometimes you you realize um you know there's an actor do you know who the character actor Robert Longstreet is? Oh yeah, oh absolutely, I like him yeah, so I think when I first saw this movie almost ten years ago, I didn't know who he was, yeah, uh, and he plays martin Bonner's uh coworker and one of the founders of this organization that he that he works for um and I've come to really like Robert Longstreet, so it was like, uh, oh, I didn't even remember that I had seen him in this before, and it's a, it's a, it's a good performance uh, there. So yeah, um, this is Martin Bonner, even even better on uh, on rewatch. All
1: right, so next up for me is DJ Caruso's Shut In. Um, so as you know, is I've been kind of working my way through the the Daily Wire movies, uh, and this is the first film that was actually produced by daily wire not actually not just uh, acquired and mm-hmm. it's dj caruso who made uh disturbia and disturbia. I like these movies that i like a lot and i was curious about it um even if it wasn't part of the project i i it, the the concept was interesting where um rainy quali plays this single mother He's, she's an ex-drug addict and uh she's she's been living in the the sort of farmhouse of her grandmother who passed away and now she's looking to, to move out. Uh, But then her, her ex-husband and his like sleazy friend come in and they're both like strung out. And uh, he winds up trapping her in the pantry. And so, and, and her kids, one of whom is like three and the other is a baby are in the house. And so she's trying to figure
0: out like how to take care of them. Um, <coughs> and try, <laughs> sorry for all the commotion. I don't know if the listeners heard any of that. <laughs> that I was like, didn't, but I still saw it. I still saw this little silent comedy,
1: uh, yeah. on your side of the screen. Uh, it was hilarious. If only it had been sped up, it really would have worked with the Benny Hill theme. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I guess most things work with the Benny Hill theme when yeah, you set that- them up.
0: That's kind of the whole deal. It it lifts
1: everything up. It sure does. Um, so anyway, uh, so it's just her trying to kind of navigate, like instruct her three-year-old on how to take care of the baby. But then, uh, the husband's, uh, sleazy gross friend played by sleazy gross Vincent Gallo, uh, comes in and kind of tries to terrorize her a little bit and play mind games with her. So, it's not a bad. It's not a bad movie. In fact, I gave it a, a largely positive review, with, but but with some major caveats. Um, I do think that g- given the circumstances, the film really should have more of a sense of urgency. Um, you know, she is un- You know, she's unable to get to her children. That's a big deal. And mm-hmm. there are a couple moments where the character. Yes, yeah, she's eager to get out, but she also seems to be. Uh, there are moments where she's kind of meditative about the whole situation, um, which would work. Well, I usually like that sort of thing in a thriller where a character takes a moment to really assess where she is and how she got there. But because of this, it's not that the clock is ticking, but the situation is just so inherently urgent for any parent. And the film doesn't really have that, which is odd given that it's DJ Caruso. Like he can create urgency
0: Mm -hmm. with the best of them. Eagle Eye is very much about that you know Um, what's a good one is taking lives speaking of uh is that true yeah i liked i mean it's been 20 years maybe it isn't good but i I remember liking taking lives i never
1: watched it even though it came out while i uh, it came out on dvd while i was working at blue uh blockbuster and we had probably not thousands of copies but it felt like we did we had like a whole section of our new release wall that was just taking
0: lives um I remember liking uh, it, but uh, listeners chime in. Tell me, if, tell me if I was wrong back in film do. school and, and taking lives actually sucks. Uh,
1: so so the film definitely does like, I don't know. I, I think the, the screenplay might not be perfect. And, and, but for the most part, it, you know, it's a character piece and Vincent Gallo is, vi- I mean, he's very good. Like if you want someone who just brings like a, a crackling energy to the screen, like regardless of what we, what we might think of him as a person, as an actor, he's always been really interesting to watch. Um, and then Rainey Qualley as the, as the, the single mother, she, I, I think she's a uh, very talented and I think she brings a real vulnerability to this because there is this other, this added element of her being uh, an ex addict and there's an inherent sort of guilt under that the sort of this feeling of like do I deserve The situation I'm in right now And she's always questioning her ability as a mother So I do think as a character piece There's some good stuff there and then Jake Horowitz who plays the lead character In The Vast of Night Yeah uh, plays her Ex-husband and boy I mean it's night And day like you you cannot get Any further uh, From his character in Vast of Night than, than This and so you see that he's He's a very uh, talented Actor so it's not it's not a bad movie i do think that it just in some ways it could be tightened up in some ways it could be it it could sort of it feels like it's not fully tuned into its own premise sometimes Hmm. so uh so that was shut in Uh, when you said rainy
0: quality my first thought was i wonder if she's related to margaret quality and then i I, looked her up and without even looking at it I just seeing a picture of her i was uh, like yeah yeah she is and yeah she is their sisters uh next up for me is i need to make sure
1: i've got the name of the director right uh, Olivia Newman's Where the Crawdads Sing. I uh, oh, wonder where it is. I've been wondering where it is. What, oh, uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you want to hear Crawdads Sing, just head on over to North Carolina. Um, that reminds me of... Um, it's a period piece, so I don't know if they're still doing it.
0: <laughs> uh, back in, I guess it would have been the year 2000, I went to the movie theater, uh, the the Creve Corps 12, shout out to Creve Corps AMC 12 uh, in Creve Corps, Missouri, um, to see the movie Where the Heart Is. <laughs> and uh the guy tore my ticket, because they used to actually physically do that back then. He yeah. tore my ticket and said the heart is in theater twelve. And I was like, ha, good one. <laughs> I That's still the think guy about who's it. Enjoying his job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: so I've, you know, I had heard things about this about this book. It was a very popular book. Uh I went to see it with Jen. Jen and I don't get to see a lot of movies together these days, but she had read the book and so I was actually kind of excited to to get yeah. her take on the film. Um, neither of us liked it. Uh, and as someone who hasn't seen it, uh, sorry, hasn't, hasn't read the book, I'll say that, man, everything about it, it just feels like a movie that is terrified to stray from the source material. Um, as such, it crams as much stuff into mm-hmm. its runtime as possible. So every scene feels rushed because they're just trying to get all the information in there. And given the nature of the story, uh, in which case you have this this young woman who is raising herself like out on the marshes of uh, of of uh, North Carolina. You'd think there'd be a lot more quiet moments, especially given that like she's been abandoned by her family. She was abused, you know, like all like the rest of her family abused by her father. And now she's just being completely left alone. I feel like there's really a lot of opportunity there for for quiet, you know, it's almost in a castaway kind of way so that we really get a sense that she does keep to herself and that she is pretty content being by herself. And I, it feels like there should be long stretches of silence, but we've got a lot of story to get to. So every single scene features information, probably more information than character. Uh, and I hmm. think that's a problem for this kind of, of movie. Uh, it's very well fo- photographed. It looks very beautiful. And I think the, the cast does a fine job. But for the most part, uh, it just felt so rushed. And even as someone who hasn't read the book, I could just tell that like they're just they They want the, the fan base to be happy. They want the fan base to be like, oh, I'm glad they I'm glad they thought to include this and this and this. And without thinking about like, yes, but does that make it a compelling movie? Uh, and in this case i think absolutely not i think it's uh it's very forgettable um next up for me another uh another uh daily wire film uh i jumped ahead a little bit and watched uh terror on the prairie which is directed by i want to make sure i got the michael polish uh
0: just the one what just the one Um, this is his tragedy of Macbeth." (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) His Matrix Resurrections. Exactly. Yes. Uh What a weird trend. Yeah. These brothers being like I got off on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Siblings uh splitting up, I guess. Do you think it's a situation do you think it's a a pandemic
1: situation? Because I assume all these filmmaker uh siblings just live together uh and they're stuck with each other and it's like you know what i gotta go and do my own thing i'm gonna make the tragedy of Macbeth. um yeah. but uh so michael sort of, polish it's sort not, of like
0: can you mark name polish. the other polish mark. mark i was gonna say ned i want to say mason <laughs> there we go um it's sort of like uh years ago
1: i was at Dis- jen and i were at disneyland and i saw uh i believe it was jason sklar and i instinctively looked for randy and i thought like no they they have separate lives <laughs> yeah. uh, they do you know they work together a lot i'm sure they hang out together a lot but uh yeah that doesn't mean that the other one's just going to be right there at all times
0: um, yeah we didn't um on the recent uh, tv journal over at patreon.com slash battles pretension we forgot to mention that the, the, the scars uh popped up on what we do in the shadows they sure do <laughs> and
1: it's i mean you know the it's they're not really featured, except they they really are. It's uh yeah, I assume that we'll see more of them. I feel like we would almost have. I to. hope so. Yeah, but maybe not. That would be it'd be kind of funny if that was the case. Um, yeah. So terror on the prairie. It's it's a very I I, I reviewed it for the, the site. I reviewed it favorably. Once again, not a perfect film written by someone i used to i wouldn't even see be, say be friends with but i was i was uh, an acquaintances with um i was part of a i was part of a, a weekly movie night and uh and this person came for like 2 months and uh got to know him and then so when i was looking up the credits i thought like hey that name looks familiar and sure enough it was this guy that i knew like 10 years ago so as far as the actual film goes um it's not bad terror on the prairie it's um it's really stripped down in a way that I really like uh, so much. So like there's not even any score. Uh, it just takes place primarily, not exclusively, but primarily in this cabin in which this, uh, this wife and mother played by Gina Carano, who is, as we know from like Haywire and the Mandalorian, if you've seen it, she's not the strongest actress, but she does have a very specific physical on screen presence. And I think the, I think the character sort of brings out her strengths. Um, and yeah, for someone who's not the strongest actress, like it, she's still very watchable. Uh, but I do think that uh, Nick Cersei plays our villain and that's okay. a step in, and that's a step in the right direction. And I think yeah, he's the, villain, the villain is written very well. And he's allowed some really, really powerful moments, and the character is actually allowed to be fairly three-dimensional. And so there are a couple things that don't feel totally motivated, and I do wonder if that's I do wonder if that's a, a maybe an acting thing. Like, granted, it's not in the script, but I feel like a stronger actor than Gina Carano could, make certain, could sort of find motivation sort of in, in unspoken moments. Uh, And she she can't quite do that. But uh, but by and large, it's 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 not a bad little movie. It feels sort of like a minor type of Western, but it has uh, it has some nice moments to it. And it is extremely violent. I would I definitely I I would I feel like it could be a nice uh, double feature with something like Appaloosa, which also has sort of a stripped down. Mm-hmm. Quality to it, uh, not this much, but but it it still does. So I was actually pretty surprised by how much I liked what they were doing with the film. So, uh, and then the 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 last film for me in this in this section is uh, a rewatch. This in this block, yes, but it's yeah. a rock block. Um, <laughs> is a, a rewatch. I watched uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out. I am um, teaching a. So every summer, obviously not the last two, but uh, but, um, in 18 and 19 and now uh, this year, uh, I I teach for what is referred to as a study tour where um, uh, like high school uh, high school students from another country, in this case, Italy, uh, come to L.A. and they, you know, tour different places in L.A. And then during the day they will in the afternoons and in the mornings, they will like uh, learn about the film industry, and and that's where I come in. Um, and then one of the sessions, we actually watch and analyze a movie. Uh, and so I put, you know, I I gave them a list of, of potential movies, uh, and then they chose Get Out. And, uh, and I, haven't, I hadn't seen it in years. It's a 2017 movie. I don't think I had seen it since probably then, um, honestly. And uh, boy, it holds up. Uh, hmm. It really... I And I, I'm going to be talking about another um, Jordan Peele film in the next block. Um, I feel like he has not. Uh, I don't think he's reached the, the heights of, of Get Out um, because I think he did a really he's done a really great job in the film of coming up with a really strong, high concept idea and he builds to it i mean eventually there's like the full reveal of everything that's going on but he reveals a little bit a little bit about it as we go just enough to keep us curious uh and and let us know that like something is something very wrong is happening and then when the reveal finally happens it's not everything at once it's enough that Everything before that, it's like, okay, now I understand why this happened, why that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and just structurally, from a screenwriting standpoint, uh, I think it is, it's it's his most polished work. I feel like, as you know, I'm not a big fan of Us. I feel like that's a situation where he's so good, and I'll be kind of spoiling some, some of what I'll be saying in a moment, but he's so good at setting up atmosphere, and then with Us, and then... At, I'll be talking about Nope in a minute. Um, if it, It's like he rushes to the explanation and he doesn't do what he did with Get Out, which kind sort of plants these seeds throughout. And then they all sort of come to fruition in the end. Um, to say nothing of, of the, I think the performances in Get Out are great. I do think it's genuinely funny, uh, partially because of just the absurdity of the situation and just having characters respond to that. Uh, and it's just such a wonderful balance of, horror and comedy and social commentary and I think all of these things blend together perfectly it really I don't know for me it's I don't know if I go so far as say it's a perfect movie but it is just such a beautifully constructed film that shot really well on top of everything else uh, and it's just it's it is a, a film that I can rewatch I, I now realize I can rewatch over and over again and I will always enjoy it uh so uh so yeah i was uh, i felt like i should mention it even though it is a rewatch
0: well speaking of rewatches uh my second uh, rewatch is another chad hardigan film chad hardigan's most recent film little fish um okay. which is a movie that you know there are a number of these uh, a handful of these movies uh i think like um there's one called like pink pink cloud or whatever but movies that weirdly like were made not knowing the the coronavirus pandemic was coming but then feel like weirdly prescient or or released in the in the middle of it um little fish is a movie uh starring oh damn it uh jack o'connell and olivia um what's her name she's the dying girl (laughs) uh olivia (laughs) cook is her name okay yeah
1: um she was also in uh, um sound of metal is that
0: her Yes. Or am I thinking of? No, I think you're right. Um, and Thoroughbreds? And Thoroughbreds, yes. Yeah. Why did I pick the movie I don't like when she's in a bunch <laughs> of movies that I do like, um, including Little Fish? Little Fish, uh, and again, similar with this is Martin Bonner, liked Little Fish the first time I saw it, really connected with it uh, this time. But um, the premise here is that there's some sort of mysterious ailment going around that is causing people to develop amnesia. Hmm. And so. Uh, obviously a very different disease if you want to call it that than the coronavirus, but like people wearing masks and lining up and panicking and stuff is all uh, happening in Little Fish. And it was, it was made before all that, which is um, uh, just a strange coincidence, but um, it's about a, a, a a couple um, and it has, I guess kind of a eternal sunshine type of premise in that, Like the couple, we're seeing the couple in the movies present day, which is like I think actually supposed to be like 2022 ish, and Jack O'Connell's character is developing this disease and is losing his memory, and so we're seeing their story as a couple through the memories, like um, that he that he loses, but. uh yeah it's that's uh, in similar to eternal sunshine it's often very uh heartbreaking but also similar to eternal sunshine it's less about it's less a movie about the the story and more about the connection between the two main characters and and um you've got a, a great two great actors giving great performances um and uh um the movie is beautiful by, by the way, I should have said, uh, this is Martin Bonner and, and, um, and little fish, um, are both shot. they're both directed by Chad Hardigan, They're both shot by Sean McElwee uh, and he's fantastic. Uh, fantastic job. They both have music by, uh, Keegan DeWitt and he does a great, uh, job. So that Chad Hardigan has found his sort of like crew of people that he, that he works with who were, um, obviously great collaborators. Um, but uh, the, the movie is, I think, captures the or you know it makes you think about the idea that like the people who are the most important to you are important, or the way you least understand their importance to you is through your memory of them um, mm-hmm. and the memories that you you shared together. And the movie questions like if there's a connection between two people, um, can that connection e- exist? if um one of them doesn't remember the other is there something deeper uh i think that's where the movie is uh, what the movie is working toward as it as it goes on um but uh yeah really beautiful very sad potent emotional movie um it's also funny that like um <coughs> the movie is shot in vancouver i'm not sure where exactly it takes place doesn't never says but um uh, but Olivia Cook is doing her native accent and Jack O'Connell is doing a North American accent. And I wonder if he was ever uh, jealous <laughs> 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 that she didn't have to do an accent on top of everything. <laughs> that's what the weirdly that's when I went when I was
1: watching the <laughs> movie. I just like this idea of an actor who's like, oh, I gotta do an accent again. It's like, oh, you lucky son of a. Bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Check out transaction
0: eligibility and terms at discover.com/cashback slash debit. Discover Bank Member FDIC.
1: Okay, so my next film is Jordan Peele's
0: Nope. Uh, did you get to did you get a chance I to see not, it? I have not I have not seen okay. it yet. You know, I I try- don't know when I will get a chance. Uh, things are look Look, things are real busy. I'm a very very busy guy. Yeah, things are all balled up at the at the head office. I get yeah. it. Um
1: Yeah, it's okay. So I'd read a few things before getting to see it um and and I, and I and i i didn't go looking for reviews just like a couple of little takes here on, on here and there on twitter and i didn't go looking for it but i i so it was in my mind and i was like oh i really wish that i hadn't seen that because now i can't help but think in those terms uh and what well, i don't seen, ruin it for the rest of us right and so like so i'm i'm trying gonna try not to to spoil it um, but it's been out for a, a little while, so I'm, I'm OK to speak in sort of broad terms. Um, and the film is is getting mostly good reviews, but a lot of people that don't care for it said like, you know, it's a two hour movie. And it's like, hey, for an hour and a half, it is doing some really great atmospheric things, uh, some good performances, some really kind of unnerving imagery and unnerving moments. And it's and it's very exciting in that regard and creepy and all of these things and then in the last 30 minutes somehow it all unravels. So that's what I had read and I was like, okay, well let's I'll keep an open mind once once kind of the the ending is really sort of uh kicking in into high gear and uh but boy, yeah, no, 100%. That is uh that is how I would describe it. Great atmosphere. It it very similar to how I would describe us like does such a great job of setting the tone allowing his actors to really explore the space. And I'm just, I'm right there with him and, and, and his characters, everything he's doing great looking, uh, really nice music. This one especially has, has some really solid sound design and it reminds, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of signs, uh, and people have also compared it to jaws and I understand, I understand how they could get there. Uh, and, and indeed the, the last 30 minutes, does kind of feel like the last third of of jaws which is to say like okay these people have banded together to accomplish this Mm -hmm. goal um and yet somehow i i don't know how he managed to do it but he got me caring about all these characters and then within about five to seven minutes of like the climax happening i did not care at all what Mm -hmm. happens to them. And I'm not sure why I can't even really put my finger on why it's more just like, it felt like he was just tying up loose ends and the, and like any kind of character arc or payoff or relationship uh, is put on the back burner and felt sort of perfunctory Um, characters do things that are unmotivated, which doesn't necessarily bother me because in times of fear or panic, people will do things sort of uh, without really thinking Except when that happens in a movie, it you can kind of tell that's what's happening. Whereas here, it feels like he's doing something different and just not justifying. And it is a shame because I think it's got the film has a great cast, uh, including um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer and Stephen Yoon. And I haven't seen my I don't remember the last time I saw Michael Wincott and. He shows up in the movie playing, uh, well, if I'm being honest, uh, in in multiple ways, playing the Quint role uh, in in for, from Jaws, um, and and it's just fun to see. You know, th- there's a moment where Michael Wincott is uh, speaking the lyrics to the song uh one-eyed one horned uh flying purple people eater and it sounds so ominous (laughs) the way the way he says it um and so and and the film is is amusing as one might think but uh but yeah it just completely loses me in in the last 30 minutes
0: do you find i I think having that experience where you don't like the ending of a movie feels to me feels important when the movie is still fresh in your mind. But the further you or at least the further I get from a movie like that, the more I tend to just fo- think about the stuff that does work. And I think highly more highly of the movie um, that that does happen to me. I do think when I
1: think back on us, I do tend to think of the stuff because, yeah. you know, if you think of like the like really compelling visual images, like the these things that stay with you. Um, and I have no doubt that that will probably happen with nope but in this case it falls apart so much for me Uh, i use the word before unraveled and i think that's the best way to say like everything is tied up so well with these characters and the and the atmosphere and the story only for it to completely come apart uh and because of that this this one probably more so than us i'm going to be frustrated like i will think about all the things i like and that will lead to frustration when i think like mm-hmm. he didn't know what to do with them and it really um, bums me out and i do think there are individual sequences throughout the film that work so well and i do wonder if get out at least for me was kind of this this fluke because both us and nope really do feel like a series of of really interesting scenes and sequences which is not surprising given that jordan peele comes out of the sketch world and is thinking in terms of okay this is a three minute idea and it needs to pay off in that three minutes and it's really compelling and nope when you know when we see where it pays off it makes everything else before that just feel like a series of really well done sketches that aren't really leading towards anything and uh yeah it was just so disappointing because there's so much potential there and he is such a genuinely talented filmmaker but and i'm certainly not the only one to say this there is for me increasingly an m night Shyamalan thing going on where i wonder if maybe as great as the screenplay of get out was for me, us and Nope at a, at th- I think the writing level is where they start to come apart. And I'd be fascinated to see him direct something written by somebody else, which is of course something that we all said about M night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of what it's, what it's turning into for me.
0: You know what? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say my piece real quick. I haven't seen Nope, but I, I love us. And I think all things considered, i th- I have warmer feelings towards us than get out, even though I agree with you about what works and what doesn't. But when I think about us, I like, and you talk about like, oh yeah, at the end it does that long, like over explaining itself thing that I didn't yeah. care about and actually didn't want, but that's not what I think of when I think of, of, of the movie. Um, and it's reminded me, you know, what I did recently post Oscars. Okay. I wanted to revisit Will Smith. Okay. So, you know what I did? I called up on the whatever streaming service it's on, called up Francis Lawrence's I Am Legend. Oh, sure. Watched it until other people showed up, and then I just turned it off. And I was like, that's uh, a great, great movie. Great movie, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because that is a movie that I very much feel the way about. Like, I, I do, unlike with us, when I think about I Am Legend, I think more about how frustrated I was by how generic it becomes in in its in its final act and i found the solution which is just just watch it for an hour hour and 10 minutes and then and then you're done (laughs) that would probably work for me with with nope if i just view it as
1: like all right i'm not gonna view this as a story-based uh movie i'm gonna view it as a series of weird vignettes um i do think for me us does work way better than nope partially because you know no disrespect to Daniel Kaluuya as we see from other films including Get Out he is a very compelling on-screen presence but his character in Nope is meant to be uncharismatic as opposed to Lupita Nyong'o in Us who is turning in two really fantastic yeah, performances challenging dual role and so <laughs> and so i do so i do think that that's that when i think of Us i do think of of her whereas Daniel Kaluuya strange as it may sound kind of gets kind of fades yeah. away uh, which is which is too bad
0: these movies um, when i when i think of us i think of her it's like what does spike jones have to do with that <laughs> oh now you're challenging <laughs> me to write a
1: uh, who's on first type of uh, comedy r- routine purely with well, movie yeah. uh, movie titles there's a way Well, to and then the,
0: then the giant ants show up and it's like you know who asked them <laughs> All right, that's gone. You've got three more in this block, right? Indeed, yes. Uh next indeed. is a
1: rewatch. Indeed, yes. Uh undoubtedly. Um <laughs> next up is a rewatch a film I haven't seen in a while, but you and I talked about recently on the on the uh, Patreon. Uh The Lost World Jurassic Park okay which is the the second Jurassic Park film uh Jen and myself and then a friend of ours uh Melanie uh we will do this thing from time to time where we will get together and watch through an entire series of mm. films we did it with the Star Wars movies and now we're doing it with the Jurassic Park movies so we watched the first one a few weeks ago now we're, then we just watched uh, the Lost World and uh ugh, <laughs> man oh man uh dominion is still by far the worst of the bunch by a you know wide wide margin lost world is my least is my second uh least favorite uh of this bunch because man it just there's a couple of nice spielberg spielbergian moments but for the most part it just feels so phoned in there is just so from a screenwriting level from a directing level, I think, frankly, from a character level, there's a couple of nice moments. Like Pete Postlethwaite shows up as sort of a, you know, this big game hunter, and he's he's notable. Uh, Arliss Howard shows up as kind of this weaselly corporate guy. He's not bad, so, but at the same time, like they bring Jeff Goldblum back, mm-hmm. and aside from the, an occasional clever one liner which he sells, he has almost nothing in. It's it's insane to believe that he's the same. He's meant to be the same character from the first Jurassic Park, who is a mathematician. Now he's like an action hero. And it's like, whoa, what? Why is he here? Like and he shows up in the in the novel, The Lost World. And you know what happens? he gets injured very quickly and winds up on morphine the whole time, just like in the first Jurassic park book. Uh, But here they can't do that because they, they do some different things with characters. And so he is, yeah, he's like right in the middle of everything. And I don't know, it just feels like a, a, it really feels like. um, It almost feels like the studio rushed it into production, but it came out four years after the first one. Uh, You know, if this had come out in 94, Mm-hmm. I I I might be a little bit more forgiving of it uh maybe not of its existence but of the of the execution but as it is like you know it's a Spielberg movie it's a, and it's a sequel to a film that just feels so spielbergian uh and this one just feels completely generic like the sequel Jurassic Park 3 directed by Joe Johnston who's I think is is a very capable and reliable director that feels more spielbergian than this movie um and and, you know, I don't mean to view it purely from a from an auteur standpoint, but it's more just we have an expectation of who Spielberg is, especially when he's making these kinds of movies. There's a sense of awe, a sense of wonder and and real terror, whereas this like it just it really feels like his heart is not in it. Uh, and that really bums me out. So. Uh, so, yeah, uh, big thumbs down on The Lost World. Uh, I'll tell you, speaking of Joe Johnston and thinking of like these directors that are extri- that are just. The more I see of them, the more it's like, yeah, you know what? There's something to be said for just a really capable journeyman type director, although maybe Joe Johnson isn't a journeyman. Ron Howard, on the other hand, I think is a journeyman. And so I just I saw 13 lives and you can read my my review on BattleshipRetention.com.
0: And I've seen this uh, one as well, so I can chime in. Yeah,
1: I know. I've not seen the rescue. I've not seen the documentary. I think I would enjoy it. Yeah. I loved 13 lives. It worked. It worked so well for me. Yeah. It's, you know, it tells the, it's the story of the, the, the Thai soccer team that gets stuck in this cave and the more than anything, I just really appreciate how, how much they really, how much detail they include as, as to like the complexity of this rescue. The idea that you have these divers who who go through like who have to dive through this cave for like seven hours just to get to the kids, and then the idea is like we've gotten to the kids, we see they're alive, and it feels like obviously it's like well we're glad they're alive, and it feels like oh my gosh okay so we're we're good, not even close. In fact, Viggo Mortensen's character is just like boy I I almost. I was expecting them to be dead. And now that they're not, it's actually more disheartening because I don't think we're going to be able to get them out. So we're going to watch them die. Um, And it really does such a good job of showing how much planning and detail and how meticulous this rescue had to be. Um, And the sequence, the diving sequences where not only are you underwater, but you're underwater in these caves. It's so claustrophobic uh you know when you have these characters who have like air you know oxygen tanks on their back and they can't sometimes they'll get stuck it's like oh boy that's that's rough
0: stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, there were a couple of and- times i guys as we were uh as we will be talking about on our main episode this week i like to sit mm-hmm. closer to the front of the theater these days there are times that people behind me probably thought it was funny because i was like like literally like grabbing oh yeah <laughs> like it, it's very very tense uh very tense movie
1: and that's the thing is like, it's a film that understandably, and I think admirably focuses on the procedure of what needs to happen. Cause every, every little thing needs to be, every, every little thing is important. Like, yes, there's the divers who are dealing directly with the kids, but there's also the idea. It's like, if not for some random scientist, you know, water scientist who is, I believe he, he's from Thailand, but he's been living in Chicago and he flies back yeah, because he immediately yeah. realizes like we need to find a way to drain some of divert some of the water out of this cave because if we can't do that, these kids are going to drown, and so he finds a way and gets a lot of people to work with sort of this in, in movie terms the non glamorous side of the rescue, yeah but it's a it's a vital part of the rescue,
0: and then that's actually one of the main differences between thirteen lives and and the movie the rescue okay. is um that that's that part is very there's very little of that in the rescue and um i do wonder if because one of one of the few i liked the rescue a lot but one of my the few things was like yeah i understand that like these british and australian divers came and and saved the kids but this is like still a story about thai people in thailand and we're yeah. seeing almost entirely like white folks and i do wonder if part of including that story that you're talking about of all the Thai, like the, the, the locals getting together to help was part of someone like looking at that and saying, Hey, we need to like showcase that there were Thai There were Thai people yeah. helping too. I, yeah. I, I do think that I, I do wonder if that was a, a conscious decision.
1: I, I wouldn't be reason. surprised uh, because the water has to be diverted somewhere. And it winds winds up being diverted onto these you know these various farmers like their land, and it will destroy their crops. They all know it, mm-hmm. and it is spelled out to them. It's and they say like, "Will this help the kids?" And they said, "It could." And right. they're like, "All right, okay." So like they're all they they volunteer to have their crop their crops, and they didn't have to, but they volunteer to have their crops ruined, so that their, and and as a as a function of that their livelihoods po- possibly ruined at the at the possibility of these kids you know giving these kids a little bit more time and so i just i just i found the film so like it's focused on all these on the procedure and yet it never loses it never loses sight of the humanity uh a big
0: part because yeah you you were talking about the 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 procedure and and ron howard obviously the things like apollo 13 which you referenced in your review yeah uh is is great at that stuff but Another thing that that movie and this movie has in, in common are, are are great performances, especially mm-hmm. um, Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, who are the main two divers. divers I,
1: th- I throw Joel Edgerton in there as well. well was, it's a smaller I'm not a huge role. Fan of his. Oh my but god! You're taking,
0: You're saying exactly what I'm going to say. Joel oh, Edgerton okay. is a very hit and miss actor for me, and this is one of my favorite performances uh, of his. But I think the the our main two characters are played by colin farrell and yes. uh, uh john and rick colin farrell and, and vega mortensen yeah. uh, speaking of accents by the way neither one of them doing their native accent yeah you know they're both doing like uh i think like northern england i think maybe? yeah or is they- Vegan Mortensen supposed to be London because he says see you at the pub <laughs> Do <you remember> that? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> one of the better well actually but i uh, they're fantastic together um there's a great um moment early on in the movie, they're not even in the same room, they're on the phone, and and Colin Farrell's character is trying to sort of trying to talk Viggo Mortensen's character into, like, coming to Thailand to try and see what he can do, and like, uh, Viggo Mortensen is, like, he's doing that thick accent, and uh, I'm not going to be able to do it, right, but he's like, I don't even really like kids. And, yeah. and, and Colin <laughs> Farrell just has this moment of going, like, okay. And it's just, <laughs> like, it, it it suggests that in, in just that little moment suggest that these people have known each other for a long time yeah. and our, and our friends that he, that he's like, okay, this is what he has to do we have to put up his little fight, but he's going to, we all know gonna what's going to do this. Happen. Yeah. Um, the only thing I will uh, say that I think I like more about the documentary, I feel like this screenplay and, and Ron Howard, um, they play up that these guys, these cave divers, they keep mentioning like they've done cave rescues before they play right. them up as more as like, heroes, first responder types. Sure. And I think the documentary more plays up that these guys are just like enthusiasts. They have like regular jobs and this yes. is just like their hobby. And like the type of people who make cave diving a like dangerous, silent thing that takes hours of your time make it their hobby are kind of weird antisocial guys to begin with. I think the documentary plays that up a little bit a little bit more and i i I liked that as opposed to making them like more heroic but uh that's my only real
1: no i I mean i definitely want to see the documentary now uh for sure um i had heard great things about it before uh but yeah i mean i i recommend 13 lives to everyone i i i i think it's a really wonderful achievement and it's it's a shame that it's just because of the nature of its release, I think it's going to be seen as sort of like minor Ron Howard, almost like a fun little side project, but it's like, it's very ambitious Mm -hmm. and great performances. I'm totally engaged in, in everything that's happening. And yeah, I, boy, I just loved it. Um, and, uh, okay. So the last one for me in this block is a film I know you have seen, and that is BJ Novak's vengeance. Okay. Okay. Uh, A film that I, there's a lot I like about it. Individual scenes, certain sentiments. And I think I actually like some of the intentions behind it. But I didn't really care for it that much. Um, I I did not like it. There there are some performances that I enjoy. I I think uh, John Mayer shows up and uh, he has some fun moments. I do think that Boyd Holbrook, uh, who plays uh, sort of a, I'd say, a supporting role, but also like of all the supporting roles, this is probably the 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 biggest. Yeah, um, and he has to be kind of like silly and not necessarily dumb. Like he has to walk the line between like you know funny, but also very emotional and maybe even sometimes a little dangerous or unstable. And he manages to take all these different elements and bring them together as one one cohesive character and i think he does um and i really and i think he's the best part of the film um although i do think the acting all around is pretty good i'm all, i've always been a big fan of uh, J. smith cameron or jay now it's now i don't remember is it jay cameron smith or J. Uh, J. Smith wait cameron? who who is who is that's she the, in that that's movie?
0: the the mother oh okay yeah not the yeah. not the
1: grandma but the not the, the grandma mother. who's um yeah
0: Grandma Saracen from yeah. Lights, Yeah, yeah. and she, she's great, too. She and just plays Texan grandmas. That's what she does. She's good at
1: it, you know. Yeah. Uh, she she yeah. found her type. Um, and I think even even Ashton Kutcher, even though there's a lot of aspects to his character that I don't like from a writing standpoint, I think he does a pretty good job oh, yeah. of, un- I, of underplaying some stuff.
0: I said, if you uh, listen to the movie Journal I did solo last week, I said that I, like, I, I actually think Ashton Kutcher is the best part of the movie because he's at least up until the end he's the character who is least burdened by what the movie is trying to say. And like, it's like, yeah. like his, his early appearance is essentially just, if it weren't for the other scene at the end, he would be the like a, a, a Bruce McGill. Uh, um, Absolutely. Uh, um, what's what I'm looking for candidate. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's uh, um, his, his first it, like long uh, scene. He's just like Ashton Kutcher getting to be like, relaxed and kind of weird but yeah. confident and cool and it's like it's uh, that's my favorite part of the movie the first the, the when we go yeah. to his like music studio and and yeah, uh, uh, yeah that's my favorite part
1: and that moment yeah, where, I he's, like where he's movie. trying to like inspire the, the the young woman in front of him and he's delivering that monologue and doing so in a way where he's not being he is the characters being poetic but he's not selling it as that abstract or that lofty it's it is a and to the degree, like, when he does show up at the end and he has to say all that stuff, to the degree that that overwritten scene can be sold, mm-hmm. he does
0: his best. You know but what There's I mean? too many but, scenes but, like that. There's there's yes. too much, like, uh, there's the the scene in the parking lot outside the Whataburger in which uh, B.J. Nova's character just, like, says what the movie's about. And I don't really, like... Yeah that and I also don't like really what the movie is about because I think it's um trying to gain points by pretending to be humble from like a yes like a uh urbane lefty point of view like look at me you know uh learning things from the unwashed uh small yes. town masses it seems a little yeah. too pleased with itself and I think that's really what what left the the worst taste in my mouth. I think his I think he genuinely is attempting to sort of
1: either extend an olive branch or whatever you want to call it. Like, I think he is trying to see the other side of things um, as a filmmaker. And I think that's to his credit, but I also just think as a director and as a writer, I don't think he's able to. Hmm. Um, I think his, his, I think there's just some 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 not even necessarily blinders whatever we all have you know there there are things that he obviously disagrees with as far as like certain Texas culture red state culture whatever you want to say that's fine um but it's like if you're gonna do this thing like you got to do it all the way as opposed to starting to do it and then realizing like when the chips are down you're just gonna be you um I don't know it's it really does feel like a, a film that has like good intentions it and I do, you know, it's it's his directorial debut from a cinematic standpoint. I think it's the first feature he's written. And it feels like a first feature, both directorially and mm-hmm. uh, from a writing standpoint, which is unfortunate because there are a lot of good elements in there and some and some laughs and some good sequences and stuff. Um, but uh, and if nothing else, I will say, uh, and you warned me ahead of time, uh, I am not I am somebody who will occasionally say 100 percent. Now I can't. Because yeah, Because vengeance came out and not that everyone's seeing it or anything, but now I can't because now it's like, well,
0: shit, now I'm going to be is, like this guy. Yeah. It's so hung a lantern is, on the yeah. dudes who go hundred <laughs> percent.
1: Yeah. So thankfully I always have, oh, no question. That's the other thing that I say. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to lean really heavily on that.
0: Uh, and I have now. Yeah. So by my count, you should have three movies left, right? You do. Yes. Well, guess what? I'm taking one of them. Oh, David Leach's bullet train is my yeah. next movie. Um, uh which I found an exhausting, dreadful, obnoxious bore of a movie i I disliked this movie so much and with so few breaks in that feeling from like from from the beginning, I was so immediately annoyed by the way the movie presents itself, the way it presents its characters the um the way that it like has it thinks it's a comedy it f- has the feel of a comedy but there aren't really very many jokes right. in the movie or even funny th- there's one i won't say what it is we haven't seen it yet but there's a part where we get a shot and above had an overhead shot of the uh, bathroom in the train and Brad Pitt's character has written something on the toilet lid. Yeah. That was the only time in the entire movie that I, left. Yeah. I, I I I think. Uh other other than that it's just like this it's not I, I, like it would be insulting to say it's like post Tarantino, it's post Guy Ritchie. Oh yes. Who is himself post Tarantino. Um uh, uh but in a way that like it feels so dated. You've got like there's one character whose whole deal is that he is he's like a hitman, but uh, he likes Thomas the Tank Engine, and that's like his whole deal. And that feels like so late 90s, early 2000s, uh, yeah. in in a way that was uh insulting. The movie is garish. Um, it's uh, uh, and, and it's also David Leach made he like uncredited co directed John Wick, which is one of the best action movies I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, but then he made. Atomic Blonde, which I Ryan. liked, and I, and I, it, I didn't have to think long to see what the the difference is. Um, Bull Train's an action movie, but it is not actually anywhere near as choreographed as Atomic Blonde is. It's yeah. there's a lot of like brief bursts of action. There's a lot of yeah. quick cutting. You don't get what I think I like as someone who liked Atomic Blonde watching a. Oh, move a movie, bunch of assassins on a train. I'm imagining we're going to get these extended hand-to-hand fight sequences that go yeah. from one car to another, and like there's very little of that. The, the most of the fights go on for a very short period of time. They are often like in some way CGI-assisted, which I don't like. Um right. And and uh, uh, you've got a, a, a ton of a ton of great actors. Um, wasted just because these uh these characters are they are characters with quotes around them in 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 a way that yeah the number one word that i after dreadful the number one word i will say about uh used to describe bullet train is obnoxious it's an obnoxious movie
1: yeah i i liked it more than you did but not much um because as I was, wa- I was looking forward to it. I, with this cast and the idea of like, oh, a- like it's, it's action all aboard a train, uh, that kind of enclosed, you know, being enclosed with people that want to kill you. Like, that's a neat idea. Um, and yeah, the, uh, there are a few, there are a few takeaways. And one is like, look, I recognize that snatch is over 20 years old. You know what I mean? So, uh, and this it's possible that people that are going to see this movie have never seen it, you know, and, and that's, that's one of those things where I, I need to recognize that I'm getting older and my, just because I have a memory uh, of a film that came out 20 years ago, uh, not everyone's going to have that. And so for some people, this might feel very novel. However, I have seen snatch and lock stock and two smoking barrels uh but snatch especially this one really feels like that right down to like these little you know these little uh character cards you know where it's like uh smash cut like ah this is the elder this is uh you know the the son, the whatever lemon and tangerine lemon and tangerine um and that's the kind of thing that like yeah i I like i enjoyed that sort of thing with snatch where everything felt like it felt like a a living comic book or, or living cartoon. And here, once I realized what it was, I was like, okay, so it's not the most inspired inspired thing. That's fine. Let's, let's keep going. Um, and I did enjoy some of the performances. Probably my biggest takeaway is that I'm always excited when like a, a young actor who's sort of, uh, known as like a, a good looking guy, uh, or, 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 or young woman, um, starts to sort of embrace their character side and i feel like aaron taylor johnson in the last few years has become more of that between something like nocturnal animals and this and the fact that i believe he's going to he he's going to be playing craven the hunter in the next spider-man movie it's like okay Okay. now we're talking because i think he really uh, does like he's he's this really interesting bundle of energy uh in this movie and i enjoy i just want to say you
0: say Cause I do this too. You say last few years, nocturnal animals is six years, old. six years ago. Yeah. Someone yeah. who is yeah, someone who is in middle school and that movie came out can vote now. So uh, yeah. it's not, as, it's maybe not as recent yeah. a development as it feels like to our sure. older brains. Sure. Uh, yeah. But like, I remember, you know, like when I saw like kick ass,
1: he was the least interesting part of it as the lead. And even, even when he was in uh, Avengers age of Ultron, which uh, is 2015, Mm -hmm. he's doing some okay stuff in it but he's not really that memorable he's trying to be playful and it's not super working and then the next year it's like okay he's 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 branching out a little bit um but he's still he even in that he still felt a little bit protected like he was he was hiding behind an accent he was doing all this here it really feels like he's sort of cutting loose and is uh, a little bit more at ease with with the character so i did enjoy him uh and and you know Brian Tyre Henry obviously is is a lot of fun, but I I agree that the characters, the the humor, another as accent, such, by the way, another yes, like the there you're right, like there aren't really any jokes. It's more of just like a like a cadence or a certain yeah. kind of these 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 character quirks that are sort of in the in the place of jokes, and they are reliant on the actors to sell them, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Um, but yeah, and so I was, I was once I realized what it was. It's like okay, this is not going to be the most inspired movie, and so I was able to enjoy what can be enjoyed. You know, like there's there's the 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 scene where uh, Brad Pitt is. I won't say who he's who he's fighting, but a a, a syringe plays a role, mm-hmm. and that that little exchange and how fast it is uh and sort of some of the cleverness that the characters are, are engaging in that worked for me i liked that sequence um but there comes a very specific the movie's two you know two hours there comes a specific water, moment by the way to me it was probably around an hour 20 that i was like i think i'm done <laughs> like yeah this like everything from here on like i'm officially now exhausted uh now every everything after this is now obnoxious and every minute that this goes on (laughs) uh is is uh is a diminishing return for me
0: and it does Uh, keep going like it does does, like feel like it and then like oh we forgot about this character oh we forgot about like and it just yeah
1: And I was just like, and on one hand, I'm not opposed to an action movie that just is going to wring every bit of action out of its premise. I'm not opposed to that. And yet somehow this just felt like it just wouldn't end. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a very frustrating movie for me. There are some good elements, but as is always the case with a movie like this, the good elements only serve to frustrate me more because I feel like they're yeah. ill used.
0: Here's a, I will, before we, move on to your next movie um i will say one nice there's a little clever uh running thing where it's established that this bullet train uh is you know it moves very quickly from one city to another when it makes a stop the doors open for one minute exactly and they close automatically and there's a there is a running thing of brad pitt just like (laughs) just wanting to get off the train and at each stop not being able to get off in that one minute that i actually think is uh is pretty clever. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I was, that's a nice thing I'll say. That little bit of consistency, honestly, yeah. it,
1: you know, it, it can ground a movie like this, which often feels so chaotic. Um, and it's also one of those things where I didn't really get much of a sense of place on the train. You know what I mean? Like, it feels mm. like, I, I don't mean to say like, oh, like the train itself is a character. It's not that. Yeah, it's no. more just like, You know, there are some movies where action or horror or otherwise, where you really get a sense of place and every car uh, sort of has its own feel to it. This all felt oddly generic. So the idea that the that the doors will close uh, after a certain point, like that at least makes the fact that this is a train. uh, It actually plays a role uh in the story. Um but anyway. Uh okay, speaking of trains, I didn't even mean to do this. Um so a few a couple of weeks ago, as a function of my of my job, the students voted to watch Get Out. Uh and then yesterday What was yesterday? No, Tuesday, uh they voted to watch Snowpiercer. Uh oh, so I've speaking never seen of that. Speaking of trains, um I haven't seen it since the theater. So that was 2013. I didn't really care for it at the time. I thought it was a little bit uh, on the nose. Uh, watching it again, a Jivang Jun-ho film, uh, watching it again, knowing where we're headed uh, thematically and otherwise, uh, I liked it a lot more. Um, I think it has a really wonderful cast. I think, And every, I think a lot of the cast is doing really fun things, uh, including tilda swinton who's doing sort of a margaret thatcher type uh and allison pill shows up in a really in i believe she was up for a uh a mcgill award uh that year and understandably so she's great um and it's also i wasn't i forgot that snowpiercer was my next movie when i said this Mm -hmm. that you know every compartment on the train in bullet train feels like it should be different and we should feel like it's like each one serves a different purpose so we should know when we're in a certain car just by looking at it and just by the feel of it snowpiercer by design is that Mm. um and with each car that the characters uh inhabit it feels like they are in fact moving into a different world um and I feel like the the Bong Joon-ho knows how to use that to you know obviously make commentary on you know a, sort of a cast system um but also it's just so much it's just so interesting to look at uh the film from an art direction standpoint is really really fascinating and in watching it i realized like <clears throat> like chris evans is our is our lead and uh he really there there are moments where he has to reveal some some difficult things about himself and and his past. And I think he, I think he like hits it out of the park Uh, to say nothing. You know, Ed Harris is in the film, Octavia Spencer, John Hurt, great cast all around. They are all, you know, very solid supporting actors. Chris Evans really does need to carry the film. And I think he really does on every level. Um, And uh, yeah, I was, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot more this time around and I definitely recommend it. Um, so i'm just i'm just doing one more, and then we're done right
0: no then I have one more
1: then you have that's right okay, yeah <clears throat> okay, so my last film is john Logan's uh they slash them or they them again, however you want to say it um and as of right now i'm i i <sighs> had some issues with the screening uh options, and so I didn't get a chance to uh to watch I don't it i't you wanted to.
0: to. I Uh, I don't need to
1: go into any more detail. No, I'm saying
0: you don't need to hold back on these. Like this is, it's such a champagne problem to complain about. Like, oh, so they make it so hard to watch these movies early in for free. But like, like one thing that's an upside of the pandemic is it's easier to get screener links for 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 movies. Um, The downside is that so many of these services i don't understand how they're so widely used uh by by uh i don't know who is is the distributor or the publicist or, or whoever is 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 doing it there there's just these services that are you got to jump through so many hoops even yeah. then they don't always fucking work like yeah it's it's if you're reviewing like the super independent stuff it's usually just like a private vimeo link yeah that works great, great vimeo is awesome and if you're reviewing like studio stuff or like stuff that's for like certain streamers or whatever they'll have their own app you know or like with yeah. netflix it'll actually you like give them your netflix account and when you log in your netflix account you'll have a whole row oh, called that's preview cool. content and you can actually just watch stuff that isn't out yet on your preview content yeah. um so it's but it's just the middle it's the these these two that type of things like like they them that that middle of road not, like not super indie but not big studio yeah. they can't seem to find a a screener service that that works again this listeners don't care about this but it's so annoying the worst it for me is indie i-n-d-e i I will call them out because they don't have an app and also they won't i don't know why this is other things that don't have an app i can airplay to my tv i have a left or Battleship of at least has a, a a macbook I have an Apple TV. I can just airplay and watch it directly on my TV. Hmm. Indy won't fucking do that. And that's why Indy is my least favorite. Yeah. It's screeners, which is screeners.com is when you use makes you jump through
1: a million hoops. It's it's like the fucking opening credits of get smart. Uh, you yeah. just have to go through like <laughs> one door after exactly. another to watch your this middle of the road yeah. uh, movie. Um and so, so yeah, because of that, uh, I didn't get to watch it when I wanted to, which means as of right now, I'm like three paragraphs into my review. It's not, uh, and I'll be finishing it after this. Um, but, uh, so it'll be, it'll be posted in the next couple of days, but anyway, uh, so John Logan, the writer of gladiator and the, av- uh, sorry, the aviator, um, and, and a number of other films, uh, this is his directorial debut. Mm -hmm. And, and he also, and he also wrote the film Um, and the, the story it's, it's a, it's a, I'm going to put quotes around horror movie uh, that takes place at a, at a gay conversion camp run by Kevin Bacon, who perhaps unsurprisingly is the best part of the film. He brings natural charisma to this character to such an extent that like the way he presents himself early on, it's like. It doesn't seem too bad <laughs> you know right. and so uh but that's the man it's I can see what John Logan's trying to do uh he's 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 presenting like some of the some of the the horrors of of this of this gay conversion camp, and if he had stayed with that, it's like okay, this is working like it's a character piece, it is obviously uh it, it He's exploring some some socially uh, relevant things um and and it's finding the, the horror in the situation and it's not scary i mean it's i mean it is scary but it's not like standard horror movie type stuff uh it's it's more the the again the horror of the situation but he incorporates a weird slasher element to it where there is a masked killer that is you know taking out uh admittedly like camp employees not this not the not the uh campers it's taking them out one by one and it's like okay well we're not sympathetic to these employees so this is not scary uh we we may not think they deserve to die but in the in the context of the film this is uh this is what what you'd call a minor problem um (laughs) and like we're not really gonna sweat it so there's no. It's not scary. And also the rest of the film is a fairly straightforward drama, as you might expect from John Logan, which is why when these slasher elements come in, they, it's like, he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to write it. And this is a directorial debut. He doesn't know how to direct it. Mm. So it's these two conflicting elements. And because they're there in the same movie, it doesn't work as a horror film. Sure as hell doesn't work as a slasher movie. And, Because he's still sort of trying to incorporate those, it doesn't super work as a drama either. Um, So it winds up just being this kind of confused mishmash where you can see his, you know, you can see his intentions and and there's a there's a a nobility to his intentions. That's all well and good. But it really just felt like I, I don't know how you arrived at this being the best way to do this. And given that there have been movies made in the last few years about like gay conversion camps and stuff like that, that are just more straightforward dramas. And they find the 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 again, the horror within that situation, like what possessed him to make this movie this way? It almost felt like uh, it almost felt like an experiment, like he's just like, hey, I wonder if I can do this. Uh, The answer is you can't um, or at least he can't perhaps a more experienced writer director, somebody who maybe has more experience in the world of horror Mm. um, would be able to make these things work. But as it is, it feels primarily like a drama with these, these horror elements, specifically the slasher element. It feels almost tacked on. It feels almost like it's, it stands out so much. It feels almost like a studio note, like, Hey, the horror of some of these methods that's not enough. We need something a little bit more concrete. Can you film some some masked killer stuff? Yeah, sure, why not. And just the way the killer kills, like the 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 death scenes, they they just feel like such such B-movie stuff. It really it is just a film completely at war with itself. And, uh, and it's a shame because there, there are some good performances here uh, and, and just a, a, a good cast in general. Uh, but yeah, boy, what a, what, a, what a mess of a film.
0: All right. Uh, my final film, and I think the final film of this discussion, I can talk about it as of now. It's, uh, I'm off of an, an embargo. Not that anyone was clamoring for my thoughts on Jay Chandrasekhar's Easter Sunday. Um, oh, the, okay. Um, yeah. The the star vehicle for comedian Joe Coy, who is not a comedian. I'm that I know who he is, but I don't am not really yeah. familiar with his comedy. Um but I know who Jay Chandra Sakar is um because I like I generally like the Broken Lizard guys. Yeah. But I've I, I don't know, like he directed Super Troopers and Super Troopers was a surprise hit, and because of that, he has a directing career, but I don't think directing has ever been his strong suit. Mm-hmm. And Easter Sunday feels very like cobbled together, um slapped together. Uh and more importantly, it's not really that funny. In, in in a lot of ways, it feels like kind of a throwback to these like like nineties personality driven, like comedic personality driven like family films. it's essentially what Easter Sunday is. Joe Coy plays a divorced dad who brings his teenage son. Uh played by the very not teenage comedian Brendan Wardell, who like passes i think if i didn't like if i wasn't familiar with like seeing him do stand-up multiple times i would buy like okay he's like a movie version of a 17 18 year old kid but i've seen his you know very (laughs) mature stand-up act and so to see him be like dad are you gonna make it to my parent teacher conference i don't want to get kicked out of photography club or whatever it's like so funny to me to see this this stand-up um doing uh oh yeah good thing um, but and like he's not bad. No one's really bad in the movie. But so he's a divorced dad who um his he takes his teenage son home to Daly City, California, to spend Easter with his family, his Filipino family. So he's he's Filipino. His ex wife is uh, uh is white, so his son is like not really in touch with his Filipino uh uh decided side of his family. So uh, he goes home for easter sunday but then gets his uh cousin eugene cordero uh has gotten involved with uh some shady characters and so it turns into kind of like there's like an action thriller part of it but also all very like safe like yeah yeah you know i'm trying to think of like uh it's more hijinks uh, than danger yeah yeah it's like suburban commando or <laughs> go sad. or just like movies that are like built around yeah a yeah. comedic persona and are family friendly and that's what easter sunday is and um it's not like honestly it's from a like pure competence standpoint it's a worse made film than bullet train it's not as obnoxious as bullet train it's anodyne sure. it's it's completely inoffensive in 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 and um uh, but just not very good. It's very slapped together, um, which is what I already said. But it has, you know, there's a number of comedians uh, who who show up. Uh, Tiffany Haddish has a couple role, a couple scenes as a a local cop. Um, uh, Jimmy Yang, is that his name from Silicon Valley? Um, Jimmy O. Yang? Jimmy O. Yang. Yeah, he yeah. plays another sort of like uh, uh get into the crime thing. He's like a black market, like, like, Uh, black market sneaker dealer or whatever he's he 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 shows up so there's like there's there's funny people and the movie's never exactly boring but it's just uh, nothing you haven't seen before but also people who are fans of joe coy and want to watch a joe coy movie with their families will be absolutely satisfied